Look at my butt. Show number 196 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Listeners. All of you. All of them. We are back. We are back with a, a show that's um, done more like in normal time. And as as you probably know, if you follow us on Twitter and Facebook, the delay was because of, um, it actually was technical difficulties. It was. <laughs> I know they say that as the excuse for when the host gets drunk and passes out behind uh-huh. the scenes on the show. But that's not what happened. It was actually technical difficulties. Um, and I didn't have a computer for two weeks, and it was really sad. Oh, really, I bet. Really sad. But it came back, and it's working now, and everything's cool, and there were podcasts posted. So now we're back. We're back with everything the way it should be. Yes. And we wanted to open this show by talking about one of our favorite Star Trek movies. And that is? And that's Galaxy Quest. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was actually, I found this link from... um, a different website that I read uh, that's about science fiction stuff. And this uh-huh. was totally unexpected. It was just posted and I was like, oh, the oral history of Galaxy Quest. Oh my <laughs> God, this is going to be great. And then I had to read it and I went through it and it is wonderful. I know that um, the AV Club has done a number of, of oral history things recently. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was that, but it's not. This was posted at MTV. I know. Of, but, of you know, places. reading through this made me remember how much I love that movie. Oh, me too. It's a, a great thing. So um, this is, as I say, an oral history, and it's uh, the whole story of Galaxy Quest that they put together by talking to all of the people who were involved, and they got to talk to everybody, Yes, which I thought was amazing because I've never seen interviews with the cast um, especially Alan Rickman, who doesn't ever seem to get asked about this. And I know. talking about it. And, you know, I've never seen anything telling us the the genesis of the script mm-hmm. of that story. Yep. So that was fascinating. So this whole story of how um, the screenwriter, you know, and the producer found this story and they morphed it because it was a kind of a different story. And then they decided to turn it into a Star Trek thing. And I mm-hmm. love that the director said part of the mission for me was to make a great Star Trek episode. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was so perfect. So the article also has some great behind the scenes pictures, which I'd never seen before. Yeah. Uh, that was very interesting. And I love also that they mentioned that um, Galaxy Quest is the seventh greatest Star Trek movie ever made, according to the Trek fans who voted. I, I was Los going Angeles okay, convention. but really for me, it's like second or third. <laughs> it is. It really, really is. Um, they mentioned that the first director was going to be Harold Ramis, which mm-hmm. is amazing, and yep. it would have been a very different film, I think, if yes. he had directed it. So I'm glad that it ended up being the guy who did it. Uh, And that they wanted Alec Baldwin for the main character, which I don't know. Oh, I think that would have been really good. I mean, I love Tim Allen in this. That's fantastic. I think Alec Alec Baldwin many, many times reminds me of William Shatner. He does. I I just wonder whether he would have been a little too um, self-aware almost in that role. Mm. Because he's a big movie star. Like at the time that they did this, you know, Tim Allen wasn't a, a big big movie star like Alec Baldwin Well, have you seen the movie State and Maine? No. 
okay, he's in that he plays a big movie star. It's mm-hmm. a very, very funny movie mm-hmm. where about, anyway, you don't need to know that, but he's playing a big <laughs> movie star, and he does it without um, irony or self-awareness or winks mm-hmm. to the camera. Okay, well. He, and this, this is a big movie star who's an absolute jerk. Yeah. Well, this, then maybe it could have been really good. Um, the other person that they considered was Kevin Klein. Yeah, and you know, he's the one, I love Kevin Klein, but I'm not really sure I could see him in this. Yeah. Because Kevin Klein is almost, although you could say the same of Tim Allen, too much of a regular guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Could be. I, I don't know. I. It's just so weird to think about what it would have been like if they'd had other people who were Oh, I know, because the casting on this is so perfect. Oh. So the thing I loved about this article more than anything else was the degree to which everybody says that Tim Allen really inhabited this role mm-hmm. and basically turned into William Shatner off the set. I mean, off <laughs> yes. camera as well as on camera. Mm-hmm. So this was great. Alan Rickman says Tim Allen used to kick the door open to the makeup trailer. Yep. <laughs> That's so like... And say, number one is here. <laughs> That is so what would Kirk do, right? Yes. <laughs> oh man, it's good. and and all of the joking saying that he was uh, like like Shatner, a constant mm-hmm. like practical joker, making people laugh all the mm-hmm. time, just doing it. Oh, amazing. Just so amazing. And there is a great picture of Alan Rickman cracking up on set, which Yes, I in in his full makeup and everything, which yeah. is just so wonderful. Um, people also were saying that uh, he tended, Alan Rickman tended to stay in character, much mm-hmm. like the way everybody said Nimoy tended to yes. stay in character, too. So there's just so many parallels to track. I just, it's amazing. Yes. Just, uh, and, you know, I absolutely love, and I'd heard this story before, but I really do love it, that um, the the reason Justin Long's character, Brandon, mm-hmm. um is is so key and pivotal pivotal mm-hmm. is because Spielberg came by and said you've got to have something to connect with the fans because mm-hmm. up until then Brandon was a pretty small part and I remember the first time I saw this and I was having the time of my life but like about a minute before they contacted Brandon I either thought to myself well why don't they just ask a fan what to do, <laughs> or the fans need to be in this. If it's it, going to be a complete picture. And then they did. And I went, genius. Just just what the movie needed, just when it needed it. Absolutely. It was so good. And then I remember sitting with you when we were watching it at the part where when um, Tim Allen's character says to him, Brandon, it's all real. <laughs> and, and he goes, yes, I knew it. I, I knew knew it. it. <laughs> oh, so much validation. So much validation. Yes. Oh. Yes. Just so so perfect and and just so many wonderful things here and i do like that one of the people i can't even remember who it was it was director writer whatever said one of his favorite lines was because it gets this rolling laugh is Mm -hmm. we have to get out of here before one of those things kills guy (laughs) because then you see okay they've totally bought into it now you know that that this is going to mimic the tv show that's the adventure they're going to have Oh, I love it. And then everybody says that Sam Rockwell is just so funny. You oh, know, I bet and he when is. He, when he's the, um, they, he says, did you guys ever watch the show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So Tim Allen says, and this is great too. When I was in that captain's chair, I was not mimicking William Shatner, with whom I'm now friends because of this movie. Yay! 
I like the way Yul Brynner sat in his throne in the Ten Commandments. I worked off of that. I studied that. Well, I rented the tape. <laughs> I don't I know. It. There's an awful lot of Shatner going on there. There is a lot of Shatner going through the whole thing. Yes. Oh, it's great. So, um... You know, they talk in here about the comic, which we had talked about. Yes. Um, and then they also talk about, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there could be some things that happen, you know, mm-hmm. a sequel or a TV show or something. And everybody who's involved is like, yep, I'd do it. I'd totally do it. Um, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver says, I still have my costume. Yes. <laughs> I love that she told uh, the woman who plays... Layla, is that her name, or Leilani? Mm. On the last day, she told her, steal your costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everybody's got ideas for what they could do. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I would just, it would be so much fun if they could do another one. So mm-hmm. I was just so pleased to see it. You know, I, they talk about how it was not a hugely um, publicized movie when it came out, and that was partly due to the studio not marketing it correctly. Right, not knowing they, what they were doing as, as far as that went. And yep. that is a shame because yeah. it's such, you know, they're saying it, it has become a cult favorite, but I think it's more than a cult favorite. I, I think too. it's one of those things like um, uh, Shawshank Redemption, which yeah. did, as far as I know, no business in the theater. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that ever playing. Or ever seeing an ad for it. And then once it got on TV, everybody went, this is a great movie. It's not just a cult of, I don't know, people who like prison dramas or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I know plenty of, you know, non-Trekkies who say, I love that movie. It, it's something that's become a phenomenon, I think. The fact that people got so passionate about it and the fact that it can be voted as one of the Star Star Trek movies. You know, ranking above, of course, the new Star Trek movie, which is totally right. Totally right. Well, and I also think that that is also a... uh, another measure of the film's success. That if you are a Trekkie, there's a million in-jokes that you get. Mm -hmm. If you are not... You can still have a damn good time watching that movie. Oh, yeah, because it's just that good. It's It just rolls right along. It's mm-hmm. funny. The performances are all just spot on, and it's it has a great ending. You know, they, they save the day, and everything yes, works out, yes. and then the show comes back on TV, which is <laughs> yeah. like the best part about it. I love that they, they're saying that, you know, that... that thing where they come up to the chompy things and, mm-hmm. and Sigourney Weaver says screw that but she actually says fuck that yep. but that is the worst dub yes <laughs> and uh, it is and they're like proud of it oh yeah <laughs> on purpose I think they wanted yeah. everybody to know what she actually said um, I have to mention that this article is posted at mtv.com and there are a few comments underneath it um, but the very first comment is not a this is a disaster comment, mm-hmm. but it just shows you how dedicated people are. This guy says, the only thing in this entire movie that I felt bad about was that the boys who helped save them all were not given parts in the new TV show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, that's kind of a weird comment to make. No, I, mean, I think it's, you know. Yeah, no, but, I mean, you know, I, I in get a it. way, that would have almost been too much. When you, you saw how thrilled they were that Jason Nesmith acknowledge that yes yes exactly i mean at the con you know i totally get why you would feel that way but it's also it's like that's taking it one step further into some kind of weird territory where it just would have made the whole thing implode or fall apart (laughs) 
Anyway, oh man, so this is great. So we encourage everybody to go read this article because it is fascinating and has these great pictures and all these amazing stories and oh, it's just great. And like like you were saying, reading this made me go like, oh, I have to watch this movie again. Yes. I love this movie. Yes. <laughs> and also, after you've watched this movie a couple times, you know, you start getting good at, at recognizing people and... Uh, of course, uh, Rain Wilson is one of the aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I've seen a number of the aliens now in other TV shows. Mm-hmm. You know, in in non-alien makeup, and it's it's like, oh my God, it's Quillig. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so. Funny. And I love that Rickman talks about Grabthar's hammer mm-hmm. and how the moment when he has to say that to Quillig when he's dying. Yeah. Is. Is not a funny moment, and that you know that I don't know that he got it. It really sounds like everybody who worked on this totally got it. Yep, yep. He says um, there were all these different layers with these characters. It is yes. such a great acting challenge. You are only as good as the script. Oh yes, and that's why everybody in this movie was so good because the script was amazing. The script was amazingly sharp. Yes, and uh, and this is just such a funny, funny, funny movie. And oh, I, I just love it to pieces. Oh, it's great. Yay. So that was just out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that Kind of like this. Galaxy Quest itself. Yeah. It just, it happened. It was a perfect storm. Oh, oh. yay, Galaxy Quest. Okay. So that was definitely the sort of highlight. Now, I want to talk about a thing that we haven't seen. Okay. But which we are, we're going to do it. I, I feel confident. Okay. So this is from an email that you sent me that basically said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's still a valid question. It is. It totally is. So what the fuck is this refers to um, something that turned up. I guess you – did you get this through a Shatner alert or probably, something? Probably. Probably. Okay. It's a show – that is listed on IMDb as At Home in the Universe, The Life and Times of William Shatner, and it was made in 1997. And I never heard of it before, so I was like, okay, let's go do some research and find out what the thing is. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the story. This was an episode of a, a Canadian television show called Life and Times, which was a series, kind of like biography, okay. on, on A&E. And Bill was in featured in season four episode five mm-hmm. and each of them had different titles so they're all called life and times and then they gave this one the title of at home in the universe and it was about his life at that time so i did some googling and i cannot find this particular episode because these episodes don't seem to be anywhere i looked at the a cbc website and i looked uh-huh. around and i looked on the torrents and i just can't find this so if anybody knows where we can get hold of this yeah. that would be really good because i'd love to see it but i did find a really interesting article about it oh goody which i am now going to read to you so this was published in a thing called jam showbiz uh and it's a canadian website and it's it, i'll read it it's great it's not that long Assessing risks is a necessary procedure for a producer. So since Harvey McKinnon began working on a profile, William Shatner, at home in the universe, there's been a niggling worry at the back of his mind. Quote, Shatner's incredibly healthy, but he is 68, and I knew this was going to take well over a year to do. Oh, my God. Says McKinnon, whose film airs tonight at 9 on CBC's Life and Times. All the way along, I thought that, uh uh-oh, there's probably a 5% chance that he could die. (laughs) 
Not Phil. Not never Phil. Okay, but listen to this. Instead, the day that post-production finished on At Home in the Universe, Shatner's wife, Noreen, drowned in the couple's L.A. swimming pool. Mm. So the producer says, I was completely shocked. It just flipped everything around because I'd had this fear that Bill might die, and then she dies, and she's healthy and 40, says McKinnon, who spent time with Noreen during shooting last spring. Although he saw no evidence of the alcoholism that dogged her and contributed to her death, he had a feeling that she was troubled. Quote, I felt she was a very nice person, a kind, caring person, and somebody who obviously had a problem. You know how sometimes you just get a sense of people? I just thought there was some kind of sadness there. Mm. A friend of Shatner told McKinnon that the actor's decision to file for divorce from Noreen had been a tough love tactic meant to jolt her into going back into treatment. He says, I have no question that he really loved her. I think that was clear while we were there. McKinnon's footage of the Shatners together would have been a hot commodity on the tabloid TV show's market if he'd allowed it. He didn't. Yeah. Good for my, him. Yeah. My attitude was that I would not give it to them for a million dollars. As tempting as it sounds, I just wouldn't do that. The Vancouver-based producer who last year profiled scientist and pinup model David Suzuki for Life and Times is pitching the network on two more blah, 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 blah. And, and that's the whole thing. So... That was amazing to me. Like, yes. First of all, that anybody would think Bill would die at the age of 68, which is <laughs> just ridiculous in so many Well, many, in many retrospect, ways. yeah. <laughs> um, but then also that just after they finished this was when Lean died and, and just like, wow, that must have been incredibly strange. Oh, yeah. And his life took such a terrible turn there, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, did... I cannot remember my, my Shatner memory. I was like, did, did we know that he filed for divorce? You know, I, I don't think I knew it at the time, but afterwards in what was reported, some gossip, some not, I remember hearing, or he, he said maybe in one of his autobiographies mm. that he, he uh, you know, did this to, uh, you know, shock her into to doing something about mm-hmm. her problem. And, you know, I think, and he got a lot of criticism for this, but a few weeks after she died, you know, he sold the story to Inquirer or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, he said, they said, we're going to run a story. Right. And you can either, you know, be part of it or we'll just imply that you did it, that you killed mm-hmm. her. And it may have been in, in that that he you know, divulged that, um, you know, she had a serious alcohol problem and had been in rehab and, and, you know, then the problem started up again and, uh, that he, I believe it was on the day she died, he went to his daughters to visit his grandchildren and she wanted to go along. And he said, no, you cannot be around the kids in this condition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he... As he makes very, very clear in the Has Been album, you know, I thought I could save you. Yeah, yeah. He thought love was strong enough to yes. do that. Especially his love, right? Yes. Because he's Bill, and he makes yes. things happen, and he doesn't like to lose. And he doesn't take no for an answer. And yep. to have to acknowledge that the grip alcohol had on someone he loved very much was stronger mm-hmm. than what she felt for him or what he felt for her. Very uh-huh. sad. It is very sad. So I want to see this thing now because I I don't think I've ever seen any footage of the two of them together. I saw something. Um, it was in, you know, sort of a Life and Times type thing where he went, uh, 
to uh, to Canada, back to Montreal, mm-hmm. and visited his boyhood home and talked to the people who were living there now, and they were all speaking French. And Noreen was with him in some of it. I remember a shot of them walking down the street together. It was very cold, you know, so they're, mm-hmm. they're wearing heavy coats, but she had on a beautiful coat. And, you know, she was several inches taller than he was, or else wearing very high-heeled boots. But I do remember that, and I think she might have even been interviewed in it because at some point I remember her saying, saying uh, when they first met, they instantly got each other mm-hmm. and that they had the same sense of humor. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember seeing that. Um, maybe it came from this, this show. Maybe it was. Maybe I've seen the thing, but I don't remember, mm-hmm. you know, the specifics of, of what I saw, but I do remember that bit. Yeah. It was also fun to hear Bill speak French. Oh, yeah, obviously. Very sexy. Um, Yes. So, uh, anyway, we're going to keep looking for this because somebody somewhere must have a copy. Yes. You know, someone must have taped it when it was on TV, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's gotten turned into a DVD at some point. Um, The the cast listing uh, has a few people, Jason Alexander, Mm -hmm. Kate Mulgrew, Leonard Nimoy, Patrick Stewart. So they talked to everybody. Mm -hmm. But you know what the weirdest thing is? Um, So they said Harvey McKinnon was the guy who produced it. The director was a guy named Michael Tobias. Mm -hmm. Michael Tobias directed Voice of the Planet. (gasps) Isn't that weird? Oh, wow. I think it's just a coincidence. I don't think there's anything to be read into it, but I was just like... That's weird. How how strange that it should, you know, come back around to these two people who yes. worked together on a very strange project many years ago. Yeah. So wow. speaking of Voice of the Planet, yes. um, listeners will be delighted to know that I found it. Where was it? <laughs> it was exactly where you said it was going to be. Oh, <laughs> Yes, I am psychic when it comes to Shatner DVDs. You kind of are. I went, I finally got into my garage and started looking through boxes, and it was in the box of Shatner stuff that you had given to me before you moved to Chicago (laughs) with a lot of other stuff that I'd been looking for. And I was like, oh, look, here's these DVDs that I've been looking for. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And there was Voice of the Planet. So I have it now, and it's on a bunch of DVDs. It's one, two, three, four, five. It's wow. five DVDs. It's, yeah. Um, but I, I have it, and I think I, I will try to watch it more. I know we watched the first one, and I remember it was boring. Yeah, but um, Bill did push-ups. But he did push-ups, and he was making love to Mother Shatner Earth. Shatner so push-ups. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll have to look at it again. Um, and connected to the scene, I, I like have this flow of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. everything is connected to everything else. So I'm just going to roll right into the next topic. Okay. Which is that I made a new friend on LiveJournal. Um, who's this very nice guy named Jim, who offered to make for us a copy of the episode of Marcus Welby that Bill was in called Heartbeat for Yesterday. And I I have it. This was 1972. Um, So, yeah, he he very kindly made me a copy of the DVD and he mailed it to me and I have it right here. And you and I definitely need to watch this because uh, Bill has a very bad toupee and in the cover shot, he's wearing a turtleneck and he looks ridiculous. (laughs) And he's got just a goofy expression on his face. Which oh, really dear. Oh, dear. Um, Jim also very kindly made me a copy of another thing, which I don't think we've watched. It's an episode of the Dick Powell Show. I, I, I don't think we have watched that. What is it? It's called Colossus, and it's from 1963. Ooh. So, Young Bill. Very young, young Bill. Bill. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can find out what the plot of it was. 
Um, here it is. I've Shot heard of it. Colossus. Well, but I know nothing about it. Yeah, I think um, there probably are parts of it available. Let's see. Let's see if we can find what this is about. Directed by Don Medford. Who else is in this? Oh, Robert Brown is in it. How about that? <gasps> oh, wow. Another Trek alum. Yes. Um, Geraldine Brooke. Who oh, else? good. Lee Van Cleef is in it. Awesome. Ooh. I want to see this. And uh, Robert Taylor was the guest host when this show was on. But I don't know what the plot is because it doesn't say. Huh. Um, but anyway, it'll be good. I think, you know, seeing young Bill is always delightful. Always wonderful. Yeah. So uh, that that's great. So now we've got some more stuff to watch and more things to talk about. It's going to be good. Great. Can't yeah. wait. Love, love seeing young Bill. Oh, Woo. always love seeing young Bill. Yes. So I think that was everything that came up for me. Gosh, there was just a lot of things that were all happening. It was all media-related things. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um, so, should we move on to talk about some of your stuff? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or My, you know what? What? Because we've been talking for a little while now. Why don't we take a break and yes. then we'll come to your stuff? How about okay, if we do that? I think that's a great idea. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We love our listeners, and we love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Check us out on Facebook, too. Still recording on the trusty MacBook Pro. All right, we're back. Yay, we're back. I have more water, so I'm ready to talk more. <laughs> I have iced tea. Ooh, I had some of that earlier, some of my my famous uh, mint iced tea, which oh. everyone loves. Now, this is kind of old. It's from June 13th, 2004, and it's on the website Las Vegas Review Journal. <laughs> and uh, this was written by somebody who, Doug Elfman, who got to... Uh, interview Bill, presumably when he was promoting his appearance at the uh, Las Vegas con. And it's really kind of interesting because Bill says some things in it I don't think I've actually heard him saying before. And this, uh, the headline is Father Figner, jeez, <laughs> Father Figure Shatner's Influence Still Growing. So, um... He, uh, the, the, he, the writer says, um, you know, Shatner's been a big deal to him all his life when he was a boy. Um, his mom worked three jobs in lean years and, um, he learned how to be a man from surrogate fathers, Alan Alda, John Ritter and William Shatner on TV. And, uh, so he can't stop himself from telling this story <laughs> to Shatner and uh, he says, Shatner gives me the impression I'm not his first long-lost metaphorical <laughs> stepson. 
I don't know what that feels like to you. It must feel strange, I say. Not at all, Shatner says, because Bill takes everything in his stride. Absolutely. And I read this article, and I just love what he has to say. This next sentence of his (laughs) is amazing. And it's so Bill. (laughs) He says, I understand it. I understand you gravitated toward the strength and the ability to take command and the ability to make decisions and the security of it. Right, I say. (laughs) That never leaves you, he says. You'll be that way until you die, but you'll understand it more. (laughs) And the guy says, isn't that fascinating that you are going to be a part of the fabric of my entire being for the rest of my life? That's exactly right, Shatner says. And I bet he pointed his finger when he said it. I am so sure he pointed his finger. (laughs) And he leaned forward at the same time, even though he was on the telephone. Yes. There is a strain, whether it's fictional or fact, that you will conduct your life with peripherally, but it will have it will have reverberations with many of the things you do. Mm-hmm. So I found that uh, very interesting. I'm trying to think if there was anything else in the article we need to mention. Um, uh, there were some good things that he was saying about at the end that he was feeling. Um, I feel more confident in my powers as an actor, as a competitive writer. I think he meant writer, not writer. Uh-huh. Um, as a man, <laughs> as an intellect, I feel more powerful. I feel more creative than I ever have before. And I'm creating more things than I ever have before. Yes. Only Bill would be saying that at 84 years old. Yes. That's yes. incredible. <laughs> I love that he says, I feel more confident in my powers as an actor and as a man. Yes. Like, what does that it's mean? all tied up together. <laughs> it's great. He is the most he is the most interesting man in the world. He is. He absolutely is. And you know part of the reason why? He believes he's the most interesting man in the world. He does. He totally believes Why it. wouldn't you want William Shatner to be your surrogate father? Oh, of course. <laughs> and the way he talks about himself in the third person, the strength and the ability to take command. <laughs> I love that. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I thought that was a pretty cool article. I thought so too. It's um, it's kind of refreshing to read articles by people who are interviewing him or writing about him, where they're focusing more on um, that that quality of him rather than the the tomcat part of it, which is what mm-hmm. a lot of male writers tend to focus on when they're talking about him. That this guy was really talking about, as he says in the the title of the article, that his his um, his his father figure, yes, you know, that he was that. I think to a lot of guys, especially who looked up to him as a role model, mm-hmm. you know, like this is the guy that you could be, yes, um, you know. Whereas yes. for for women, I think there is some of that, like you and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be somebody on Star Trek, you really want to be Captain Kirk. But, but you know, a lot of that time is kind of overshadowed by this is the guy you want to sleep with. Yes. He's so, he's so beautiful and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I like is um, a lot of times in these articles, you get the impression that the writer thinks they're too cool mm-hmm. to admit mm-hmm. how much they love Shatner. And so they have to get their snark in. And this guy is just totally open about, you know, you have been a big big deal in my life and I turned out the way I did partially because of you you Mm -hmm. know acknowledging that and I think because the guy is very sincere about this Bill answers him in a sincere serious way yeah Um, I was so glad that this was snark free yes 
Yes, it is a delightful article. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you, uh, Doug Elfman, for writing this article. Yes, yes. We, we, are, um, we are so pleased. Yes, it was great. Um, why don't we talk about, speaking of, of um, somebody who's really beautiful, uh, you sent a link from... <laughs> from... Uh, who sent that link to us? I kind of think it might have been idiots, kind of old. The one that says, wow, you are pretty? Yes. <laughs> and Bill is so eye-fucking the whole world <laughs> in this little snippet. Is this <sighs> actually from the episode? This isn't, right? It can't be. No, or, it is. I remember is, this moment. Oh. It's when... um. So it's from Bread and Circuses. It's from Bread and Circuses. He's got yes. on the cool t-shirt with the crappie sleeves. And it's when... um. Claudius Maximus is is saying, "Oh, come now, Captain. You mean you wouldn't care if I killed off all your men?" And uh, and Bill kind of, or it's during the when McCoy and Spock are having to fight each other, and and Bill says, um, "I've seen things that make this look like a dog show or something, you know." <laughs> and he just kind of sits back and relaxes. But oh my God, the eye fucking that's going. Oh, he is so beautiful. And I think this particular shot is nice, too, because it's um, the color that's in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's wearing that gray T-shirt, but then behind him are the curtains or the drapes, I should say, yes. from the set of, you know, uh, wherever they're supposed to be in the throne room. And it just really sets him off, like his coloring and his hair and the makeup and everything. Mm-hmm. You can really see, you know, he's got all that lovely uh, seductive eye makeup on and everything. Yes. He just looks so gorgeous. This was like, it looks like it's from a movie, you know, mm-hmm. like from some 40s glamour movie. He looks that pretty. Well, and you know, I've looked at it about a bazillion times now. <laughs> but I tell you, the sexiest thing is when he just starts to turn his head is when he he blinks but it's a mm-hmm. a languorous sort of blink and so when he opens his eyes he's now facing right into the camera mm-hmm. and he's still got that sort of heavy lidded thing going on yes. and that's why i say it's it's such an eye fuck it is amazing it really is that's why for a second i thought maybe this isn't even from the episode because he's almost looking right into the camera not mm-hmm. quite but you know you could see it as um, yeah you know, an outtake or something. But oh, look at his grin. Look at that little smirky smirk. Grin. I know. Oh. I'm Kirk. You, you know, like you said in uh, the picture you posted of the the, the Trek cats. That um, what is what is it? The, the Captain Kirk cat is saying, "I'm so all over your shit." Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. look oh. at his face. Look oh. at that face. Oh. Bill, Bill, Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. I love it when people do stuff like this, you know, mm-hmm. that somebody took the time to get the DVD and do this thing and make it into a little animated GIF. I oh, love yes, it. yes. <laughs> I'm going to play this several times before I go to bed tonight, too, uh, I think. I think everybody should put it on their desktop just for inspiration. <laughs> it would sure make work a lot more interesting. <laughs> this is true. Um, speaking of things, now, we did get a, a link from Itty, which was titled Slap Fight. Yes! <laughs> And it, well, go ahead and talk about it. It's really cute, I think. It is very cute. And this is um, from the gag reel or bloopers or something. So it's them on set and uh, it's Kirk and McCoy and Uhura. 
or Bill and Dee and, and Nichelle, and they're sort of talking, and there's a costume person who's kind of fixing up Nichelle's uniform, like pulling it and, and trying to get it all adjusted. And it looks like Bill is going to do the same sort of thing, like kind yes. of pull at the collar of her shirt, and she slaps his hand away very playfully. They're all okay. laughing about this. And so the two of them get into a little, like, six-year-old child slap fight. I was going to say a very girly slap fight. <laughs> it is very girly. I also noticed at the same time that they are having the slap fight, that DeForest is, yes. he does what Bill was going to do, and he, he pu- pulls at the collar of her, her <laughs> uniform a little bit. And then he gives Nichelle a hug. He looks into the camera and gives you Nichelle know, a hug. A big hug, and they're all laughing and looking really yes. happy. But And it's great. You know, sometimes those uh, pieces of the blooper film are very hard to watch because they're so faded or the mm-hmm. colors are bad. And this looks great. Like the colors are very vibrant and it's in yes. focus and it's just a great little piece of film. I love it. You know, the, the, my annoyance with blooper reels, and I've watched them not just for Star Trek, but other shows I, I watch. And too much of it is simply actors forgetting lines. Mm-hmm. And yes. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something like this, which is off the set, just sort of playing. Or if they forget their line in a really funny way, like when when Nimoy says, the plants are a suppository and then <laughs> yes. catches himself, you know. But most of it is just, it's people forgetting their lines. Who cares? Yeah. It's only really good when they make something out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Yes. So, um, yes, I do like the little slap fight. It was cute. Um, so I want to talk now about this article that I found, and it's about the top five police procedural TV shows. <laughs> and number five is T.J. Hooker. And, oh, this type is so small, but I'm going to try and read it. The William Shatner star vehicle started out as a sort of gritty examination of the work of patrol cops and what it takes to become one. As Shatner's badass Sergeant T.J. Hooker, when he wasn't riding around looking for bad guys, spent his time teaching at the old LCPD Police Academy. The show eventually became a crime of the week deal that focused on Hooker, his young partner Romano, Adrian Zamed, and their friends Officer Jim Corrigan, James Darren, and Officer Stacy Sheridan, Heather Locklear. Shatner had great buddy cop chemistry with Zamed, and I w- and it was always fun watching Shatner laugh at his younger partner's up and down love life. It was also a hoot to watch Hooker run roughshod over his captain, LCPD detectives, and anyone Hooker thought was getting in his way. I mean, why would a beat cop have so much sway? The answer was always the same. Because he's T.J. Hooker. Because <laughs> he's the goddamn captain. <laughs> That's right. And then he says the show also has a great theme song, and, and there's a clip. But um, all I could think of when I read this was this story Bill told about when he was doing T.J. Hooker. And uh, he and Zamed were in a police car, and they're, like, at the top of the hill. And they, you know, had said to Bill, okay, you got to drive down the hill, and you have to stop exactly here. You know, you're chasing somebody. And so Bill says, okay. And he, you know, Bill likes to drive fast. Mm-hmm. And he just floored it. And Adrian was like, ah! You know, and Bill just went, Adrian, calm down. It's like, I have this so under control. It's just, I, I wish everybody could hear him say that. Because it's like the perfect contrast to somebody screaming and panicking and, oh, I'm going to die. And, of course, Bill, or maybe it was Adrian Zemad who told the story. But then Bill just stops it exactly 
where it's supposed to be. Even in a car, he hits his mark. Oh, he's such a pro. He is such a pro. Yep. That is great. I love that. The answer is always the same because he's TJ Hooker. Yeah, he's like the goddamn captain, even though he's only a sergeant. Oh, he's still the goddamn captain. He still is. That is great. I want to, like, the top five police procedural TV shows, Mm -hmm. does that mean that they, I mean, they didn't do procedure very well on TJ Hooker, just like they never followed the prime directive in Star Trek? Mm -hmm. So, like, what what is the... um, criteria by which they are judging these shows i have no idea um i do know i've heard this several times but it has also been validated by someone i know who actually is now a retired police detective that when you ask cops what cop show got it the most right they all almost all say barney miller Mm, yeah that that completely captured the the day-to-day atmosphere of being a police detective Mm mm-hmm that makes sense. It yeah. It totally makes sense. I don't think too many cops rolled across the hoods of their cars. And, <laughs> but they should. <laughs> but they should. They, you know, make it more interesting. Um, one, just as a, a side note here, one of the things that I found for us to watch is the initial episode of a Canadian police drama called uh, Rookie Blue. Yes. I've and, heard about that. And so Bill has a guest starring role in that very first episode, which and I think he did because he's Canadian. Now, is, okay, he, he recently like within the past year or so did two guest starring roles on shows I haven't seen and one was this and one was another one is this the one where he plays the father of one of the cops Um, or there's another one where he plays like a a guy who they arrest I think this is the one where he plays the guy that they arrest and he's a drunk yes I really want to see Bill being a drunk yes because that's going to be and maybe we'll get to see a Shatner swallow that would be so good so uh, anyway, we have that episode of Rookie Blue, and we're going to watch it. And I, I've read nothing about it. I don't know if the show is good. I don't know if Bill was good. I don't know anything about it other I than that either. Bill was in it. Yes. Now, speaking speaking of Shatner, as we always are, um, this wasn't on my list, but I did like um, post a little something on Facebook about it. I watched the first hour of Sharknado 2, because <laughs> uh-huh. that's as much as I could take. Uh-huh. But it starts out... Have you seen it? I have not. I've seen the first one, but I have okay. not seen the second the one. The hero and his wife or girlfriend, whatever she is, of Sharknado are flying back to New York. And they're in a plane, and it's a terrible storm. And I went, oh, my God. And then the, the captain, who was played by Robert Hayes, you know, doing, like, his role in Airplane, uh-huh. it makes some announcement, and then he says, you know, my name, what's his name, out. Well, the name is the name of the character Bill played in 20,000 feet, at, or Terror at 20,000 feet. And now I'm blanking on that name. Bob Wilson. Bob Wilson, yes. He goes, Captain Bob Wilson out. And I just started cracking up. And, of course, right after that, the hero looks out the window, and there's, you know, they're in a big storm, and there's a shark. <laughs> And he goes, there's something on the wing. (laughs) There's a shark on the wing of the plane. (laughs) And I just cracked up. And the thing is, I went online to look, and there was even afterwards, the day afterwards, people making a list of all the different little cameos that were in there. Mm -hmm. And they all caught the Robert Hayes thing. But as far as I know, nobody mentioned that Bob Wilson. 
That's so intentional. I mean, everything about those movies is so intentional. Um, yes. For for extra Star Trek bonus, there was also um, Will Wheaton on that plane. Yes, and I saw this guy, and it was a very quick shot, and they're all scared. And I went, is that yep. Will Wheaton? Is that Will Wheaton? So yep. I went online and looked at the cast list, and he's not listed because they really didn't list those cameos. Mm-hmm. You know, they just listed the, the people. But Yep, that was definitely him. Definitely. That was so cool. But Bob Wilson out. I went, ah! <laughs> that is funny. That's great. It would have been funnier if Ian Ziering had said, there's a, there's a shark on the wing of the plane. Because well, he probably been... did right after that. But the first thing was, there's something on the wing. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Great. So um, our good friend, Harlan Ellison. Yes. Is um, they're finally making City on the Edge of Forever the way... Harlan wants it, mm-hmm. which is his original script, and it's being done as a comic book. Mm-hmm. And that's all I know about it. <laughs> uh, there was a big article at StarTrek.com, and I have this first issue, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, so okay. It's it's in my pile of comic books to be read. I have read the original script because I bought the book. So have I, yes. And it's weird. Um, and you, as soon as you read it, you understand why they had to change it for, yes. for the show because there were so many things about it that just didn't work with um, the way the show was crafted and the way they needed to make a TV mm-hmm. series. And also it was too expensive. And there was a lot of other stuff that just didn't quite sit right. right. So it had to be changed. And I am very curious to see how they translate all that weird stuff uh, into comic book form, and, and will it fit, or is this going to feel like a Star Trek alternate universe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll look forward to your review. Yes. <laughs> Jack just clunked his head down on my computer. Aww. I mean, it actually made a funk. <laughs> he wants my attention really bad. Of I'm, course he does. That's I'm petting him. Knows. I'm petting him. That's because he knows we're talking to each other. I know. He hates that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I'll be talking about this, this particular thing. Okay. Um, and hopefully it'll be good. And I do have other comics that I need to read. I just uh, have gotten a little behind for because um, I was trying so hard to catch up on work. Yes. When I got my comic back. Now, you said you had a book review. Yes. Um, I just finished reading the third book in the Magicians trilogy by Lev mm-hmm. Grossman. Mm-hmm. And um, for those of you who are not familiar, and I think I've talked about at least the first book before on the show, um, it's like a mashup of um, Narnia and Harry Potter, but it's um, it's adults. It starts out with the, well, adults, it starts out with the main character as a teenager doing his college applications, going for his college interview. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he has been obsessed his whole life long with this magical land called Fillory, which is a knockoff of Narnia. Mm-hmm. And when he goes for his interview, things happen, and he is invited to go take a test at an academy for magicians. And it's called Breakbill. So that's the Harry Potter thing. But it, uh, it is, there are parts of it that are very, very dark. This is definitely not a children's book. I mean, you know, young adults, fine, but not, not a kid's book. And I really loved it. I just, I just thought it was fantastic. And the second book, I was just over the moon. And Mm -hmm. part of what I like about it, and especially the second book is we've talked about this before that, um, 
that we thought Harry Potter was such a, a ripoff because there really wasn't a price to be paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a big part of the second book is this main character, whose name is Quentin, learning what it means to be a hero. And at one point he's, he's saying, but a, a hero always wins. And the, 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 there are various you know, wise people, some of them just humans who know more than he does. You know, they're mm-hmm. not all magic lions and everything. says, no, a hero pays the price. Mm-hmm. And he does pay a big price. And so now the third book has just come out. And um, I have to say, I think it kind of backed away from that. Oh, not majorly. I still uh, loved reading it, um, you know, because I, I reread the second one before mm-hmm. I read this just to really get myself caught up. I knew how to end it, but I wanted to, to really be current. And I was having so much fun reading the second one again because as each new thing happened, I was like, oh, right. Oh, right. you know, you'd forgotten a lot of details. So this was continuing on with stuff I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited as I was reading it. And um, it's simply not as sharp and tight Aww. as the others were. And I, I, I don't know that it ends up that anyone really pays a price. Hmm. And, and that's one of the big things. They're always saying magic has a price. And uh, so, you know, I would really, really love if other people are reading this series, and I've tried not to do spoilers, and uh, read the third one. I would love to hear from you to see what your take is on this, because um, when I first started reading the first one, this was like, for me, it was one of those things you start reading it and going, this is the book I always wanted to read. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I first saw Wrath of Khan. (laughs) As it started out, or I don't know if I was halfway through it or whatever, I thought, this is the Star Trek I always wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those moments are rare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm a little let down by the third one. I feel like um, I'm on a book binge lately. I'm reading like mad. But I do want to go back after some time, after it's all sort of settled in my consciousness, and reread the whole trilogy because I did not reread the first mm-hmm. one. But... Um, I, I still strongly recommend this trilogy. And uh, I recently, before I read it, read an interview with Lev Grossman. And they're asking him about the relation to the Narnia books and everything. And he was, he was really good because uh, he was saying at one point he wanted to use magic rings like they do in Narnia. Mm-hmm. And he said the the legal, the lawyers at my <laughs> publisher were very firm about you cannot do this. But he's going, but look, that's not even original to C.S. Lewis. It's in this other book that's earlier in this other book. No, no, you cannot use magic rings, you know. <laughs> so he used a magic button. But he also said one of the things he totally enjoyed about the Narnia books, and it's putting into words something I had sort of felt but could never articulate, was he said, I really enjoy seeing um, – C.S. Lewis's Christianity mm-hmm. at odds with his basic paganism. <laughs> and he was, you know, an affirmed atheist until very late in life. Yep. And it's really fun to see how this book sort of, and all the books really, sort of like do an elbow in the side of those books, not in a nasty, obvious way. 
But um, one of the characters even sort of paraphrases the famous line of C.S. Lewis when he was in the trenches in World War I. He said, I'm, I'm very proud that I never uh, went so low as to pray. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the interview was, was great, and he, he talked about a lot about the reasons he wrote this. And they are absolutely the reasons I would write it if I could could write that, you know. Um, because when I reread the Narnia books as an adult, I went, "Hey, this is all this Christian stuff," <laughs> and I felt ripped off. And for a lot of years, I was like, "That's it. I've had it, boy." You know, that was sneaky. Now I can and reread them and enjoy them the same way, or in the same manner that I did as a kid, and not have that bother me but I did love those books and uh, to see this to see another thing like it but different that I can now enjoy as an adult and enjoy them for the first time as an adult was a real treat mm, how nice oh, well that's wonderful I'm glad I didn't realize that that was going to be a trilogy I, I didn't I either didn't, yeah until so, the um, second one came out and really the way the second one ended I thought well that's that's it that's perfect it's it's all tied up and uh but the third one goes on and like i say it's not a bad book um but it it does have some flaws that at least were not evident to me in the first and second Mm -hmm. Mm, cool well cool so listeners if any of you have um read this book please let us know in the comments or send us an email at look at his butt at gmail.com um, I will do a very, very quick movie review. Okay. Um, because it's it's it is tangentially connected to Trek. So we went to see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which oh, is all right. the most recent in the Marvel Universe movies, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, oh, good. It was funny, and um, it was really funny, and it was dramatic, and it was everything that a comic book movie should be. So it had you know lots of explosions. It has a raccoon with a you know a machine gun and a, a talking tree and oh cool you know, it's got just lots and lots of funny stuff but here was the thing the guy who is the uh, main character the main I'll say the main human character yes <laughs> um he, oh, now I have to look up the actor's name because of course I can't remember it um but his name in the movie is uh, Peter Quill and his <laughs> aka is Star Lord and anytime um people see him and he tells them what his name is he's like uh, they're going Star Lord, really? Like, yeah, that's really my alias, and they're like, oh, rolling their eyes. You know, it's kind of a goofy name. Anyway, um, his character in the movie is is really interesting. He's very um, he's a smartass, but he also has a lot of honor. People keep saying that he's an honorable guy, mm-hmm. uh, even though he sort of starts out as a bounty hunter and then turns good later on. And he has uh, you know lots of skills and stuff. So. It's a good character. I really like it. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays him, and I'm still trying to find out what his stupid name is, <laughs> um, was one of the guys who was considered for the Kirk role in Star Trek. Oh. So as I was watching this movie, I was thinking, what would it have been like if this guy had played Kirk instead mm-hmm. of um, Chris, Chris Pine. Pine, Chris Stupid Pine? <laughs> And I don't know. It would have been a very different movie because uh, this guy's name is uh, Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. And I don't know what he's been in before, uh, but I know he's been in some other stuff. Uh, 
I think he would have been a lot less obnoxious than Chris Pine, because even though the character that he plays of Star-Lord is kind of an obnoxious character and far more obnoxious in the comics than he was in the movie, mm-hmm. he, he, he's not, uh, you don't dislike him ever. Even when he's being kind of a jerk and everything, there's some quality about him that makes you really want to like him, mm. which was something I felt was definitely missing from Chris Pine's characterization of James T. Kirk. Uh, yeah, you're Among you're many right. other things. I, I never liked him. No, no. Like, you were never, never in his corner, never cheering for him. Yeah. You were never invited to like him. The writing yeah. just I, I was going to say, it still would have had the same crappy writing. But if the actor had been able to bring that quality, yeah, might have been I, different. I, I think it might have been different. So um, I didn't know this until very recently, and um, some guy told me about it, and I was just like, oh, that's really cool. So as I was watching it, I just kept thinking, this could have been a very interesting choice. And, you know, it's just too bad that they didn't cast somebody else, but I guess they're happy with their choice. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're stuck with their choice. Uh, they are stuck with their choice. <laughs> and, you know, I, I had to say, even thinking about back to the last, watching that last Trek movie, The Into Dumbness, I don't want to see any more. I, I, you know, we talked yeah. about this before, that we re- neither of us really wanted to see the new one whenever it comes out. And mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to see I it. think it's just going to be more of the same. And it's just going to piss us off again. Yeah. I don't think there's a point. Yeah. You know, speaking of being pissed off, I'm going to share this just because, you know, the only thing I think that kind of got us through those movies was almost a sense of duty mm-hmm, that yes. we had to watch as well. I started to watch a documentary that I had heard was very, very good called The Art of the Steel. Mm-hmm. And halfway through, I had to turn it off because what it was documenting was very true and this was very well done, but it made me so fucking angry. <laughs> I mean, I was furious, and I was going, okay, but at some point, this has to turn around and justice is done, right? And I could see, no, this is the way it is. And it's, it's about um, this amazing art museum that um, after the, the, the death of the founder, who had personally collected all these paintings when nobody was collecting those guys like Matisse and, mm-hmm. and people like that, um, that basically the people who were put in charge of it totally fucked it up and ended up doing absolutely everything he never wanted, which included oh. selling the whole thing to the uh, Philadelphia Museum, who he hated, and they snubbed him his entire life. And, and it, was just, it was just too awful because oh. he had made this really wonderful thing that really wasn't a museum. It was an art school. And, uh, and, and now it's, it's, it's gone. Oh, that's terrible. I mean, wow. he said these paintings are never to be loaned. They are never to tour. And they did all these things. It was just too heartbreaking. I had to turn it off. I went, I can't even watch this anymore. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, was, it, it was such a horrible betrayal of what he intended. And I feel that way watching these Star Trek movies. Yep. It's such a horrible betrayal of what... Roddenberry and all the original people who worked on it, the directors, the writers, the actors, the customers mm-hmm. and everything, it's all been made into this superficial, just fit the pieces together in a, a standard, stupid space adventure. 
yep, just like every other movie that's yes. out there. There's nothing about it that's Star Trek anymore except, no. the, you know, just the skin that's over the top Yes, of it. that's exactly it. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we just hereby officially absolve ourselves from having to, to go through that. <laughs> We've more than paid our dues. We have, you know. I'd rather watch... Trek Galaxy on Quest. <laughs> Galaxy Quest or, or Trek on Me TV a million times. You I know, would heck, rather I'll, I'll, watch the damn Space Hippies I'll than watch sit my through way. any new Trek again. I'll, I'll go through the animated series. I would rather <laughs> do that than watch more new Trek. Yep. So maybe what we'll have to do whenever that new Trek movie comes out, we'll have to deputize some of our listeners to go watch it on our behalf. <laughs> and report on and it. And report on it, you know. That'll, that'll be the special special edition. They can tell us about it, and then we'll know what happened, and we'll get the scoop without actually having to sit through it. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? It makes perfect sense to me. Okay, good. Well, yep. that's what we'll do. Okay. You know, there's a great line um, towards the end of the, the play Gypsy, where, where Mama Rose is, you know, just letting Louise have it now that Louise is a big success. And she says her in this line, has always stayed with me. You read book reviews like they was books. <laughs> and I'm thinking, new Star Trek is going to be like that. I'll read the movie review like it was seeing the movie. <laughs> really? That'll be enough. Yeah, more than enough. More than enough, yes. I mean, I'm, as it is, I'm going to have to close my eyes and go, la, 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 when the preview comes on. <laughs> Goodness. All right. I think that is the end of everything that we meant to talk about. Yes, we've talked almost exactly an hour. I know. This is great. So thank you, listeners, for bearing with us during our un- unintended hiatus. But yes. Everything's, everything's cool now, and we'll be back with new episodes. So um, as always, send us stuff via email, via Facebook, via Twitter. Let us know what's going on in Trek-related stuff in your life. And yes. uh, keep us alerted as to the things that are happening in the Trek universe. And if you can find a copy of that uh, Life, Life and Times time at yeah. Home in the Universe, please let us know because I'd really like to see yeah, that. Yeah, we got to watch that. Yep. And we'll have some new media reviews coming up. I will try to get to the comic book and we'll watch maybe Marcus Welby and Yay. maybe Rookie Blue too. That'd okay. So as always, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon with a new show. Bye. Bye. Bye.